Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Scott David Chase. This is my truth. Tell me yours. This is the season premiere of season five. This is episode one of season five. Um, this is, this podcast has been, uh, I don't know, it's been a lot of a lot of fun. I don't know if fun was the word that I would first use, but it was the first one that popped into my mind. But uh, this is, the, of all the creative things that I do, this is probably the podcast, uh, probably the thing that I get the most out of. I really, um, I really appreciate everyone who's been on this podcast so far, taking the time, giving of their time and their energy to talk to me. It's, I'm always learning new stuff and it's always just, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I love connecting with people. It's something that has always kind of fueled my creative fires and, um, you know, it's always a highlight of my day. It's something that I had been doing for a long time, just in my own personal life. So I just decided to start recording it. As some of you know, I'm, I've gone on and on and on in the openings of a lot of these conversations about that. But it is something that really means a lot to me. And everyone I've talked to on here, I really, um, I, re- I, I really do appreciate that they took the time to talk to me about it and uh you know everything that we've talked about and i've i've always gotten something out of these conversations so um with this episode episode one of season five uh i sat down with nat baldwin uh nat is uh has been a family friend for god probably 20 years now and had been wanting nat on here for a while and just schedule wise because he tours a lot and uh, you know, he's a, he's a world traveler. We hadn't been able to make it work, but he has a new solo album coming out and he has, you know, some shows lined up here in Portland, Maine, uh, to kind of, kind of, uh, promote that. And it, it, his new record comes out on his 40th birthday, which is pretty cool. Like, you know, that came out in the conversation, but little Nat is a guy, he's a musician. Um, he's a bass player. Um, songwriter he's also you know i discovered fairly recently also an author and you know he's acted a little bit so we talked about that at the end and he's had a he's had a career all over the place and i didn't i didn't do a career spanning conversation it was just you know i hadn't seen him in quite some time so it was good to catch up and have some coffee we we had coffee at candies on portland street in portland maine which is a really cool little little coffee shop and kind of like community center. Um, I had never been there before, but it's, it's his local or a local coffee shop for him. So it was cool to record there. And, um, yeah, I, this, this was a lot of fun. This was a, this was a cool chat. I got to ask him about some stuff that I had always kind of been curious about and, uh, got to hear some fun, fun stories. And it was just, it was great to reconnect with him too. So I'm looking forward to hearing his new album. It sounds like he's trying, some stuff that he's, you know, some new experimental stuff, uh, and I'm really interested to check it out. So he does have uh, a release show or a pre-release show February 6th at at uh, Space in Portland, Maine. So if you're hearing this before then and you're in the Portland area, you should definitely check it out. But I hope you enjoy my chat with Nat Baldwin. Thanks for listening. As we were as we were talking about the 
Poland trip, I was like, shit, I should be recording this, but it's because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not like a traditional, it's not like an interview by any means. Most right. of the people I talk to are people that I have some sort of relationship right, with at, right. at least. So I was just like, eh, it's just talking. Yeah. Although it was funny. I said last night to a couple of people at work, I was like, they're like, are you doing anything after work? I was like, yeah, I have to go home and look at my friend's Wikipedia page, which I've never said that sentence before. I was like, but. It's not, it's not very extensive. Well, that's the thing. And I was like, well, because I didn't know until, I didn't know until I went on Amazon to, that you wrote a book. Oh, yeah. So um, I was just like, huh. Okay. Because at first. Shit, I, I should have brought one for you. I was like, well, Nat Baldwin is there could be another Nat Baldwin. So I read about the author and it's just like, yeah, uh, dirty projectors. I was like, no, it's the same one. I was just like, I didn't know about this. Um, how long ago did that come out? Uh, a couple years. Yeah. Yeah. 2017 spring, 2017. Is that, uh, is that first book only book so far? Yeah. Yeah. Only. How, yeah. Did, how did that come about? Dive right into the middle. <laughs> I mean, it's a short, it's a short book. It's like a short little collection yeah. of stories yeah. so I just sort of the like, Red Barn yeah, yeah yeah. so I just sort of like wrote uh, uh, took it story by story and realized that they were kind of like very connected and yeah. kind of like like oh this could be a little a little collection yeah and um, I sent it to this press uh, called Calamari which is uh, mostly based in D.C. it's just one guy he kind of moves around but he's in DC you now, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's just like it's a it's a weird it's a weird weird book, yeah. um, and it's so you know finding the right uh, publisher sure. uh, would uh, you know be a challenge in a sense. But I knew that I knew that that like aesthetically it would work with that. So you were familiar with the publisher before? Yeah, yeah, right on, yeah. Right what other kind of stuff has he? Published? He's done some like I guess the most notable would be like. Uh, this guy Blake Butler mm-hmm. um, who has since gone uh, gone on to do stuff with like big like Harper Perennial he's got like something coming out on River Riverlight Riverhead mm-hmm. um, next year um, and his stuff is still super weird like it hasn't like <laughs> he hasn't kind of like uh, uh Change styles to fit like right. the more mainstream presses. Like he's almost gotten like weirder, right? Uh, right. Which is which is kind of amazing. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, so his his first uh, his first or second book came out with Calamari. Um, also, my writing teacher, somebody that I was doing like um, some summer like workshops just online. Um, uh, his name's Peter Marcus, and he he had a connection to the. He he put out a, a book or two with them and oh cool and he, yeah he was just he he was most familiar with you know because we were work, working together and he's helping edit stuff and <clears throat> and uh, giving feedback and uh, and um, so yeah he thought he he was like this would be a cool fit so yeah. it was the only place I sent it it was only a fifty page uh, manuscript and I yeah. I meant they the press does like. Um, like really cool weird artwork and like the books are sort of irregularly shaped um, and they're sort of just these kind of unique objects in themselves so I sort of uh, 
I imagined, um, especially the content of the book being kind of um, transgressive and strange, and right. um, uh, would would work with like a kind of unique physical object. Sure. Um, so yeah, even though it was short, like they put out a ton of short, small um, books that um, that would align aesthetically right. with, with all that. So it was like, so yeah, and then the guy really liked it, and um, we figured out some kind of images to kind of weave right. through, and yeah. um, turned a fifty-page manuscript into uh, into like a. 80, 80 page little book nice so, nice yeah that's pretty cool that's really yeah. cool so it's making it more of like a it sounds like it's best experience in the like physical format is it on like yeah. Kindle and stuff too or is it I don't know right right, <laughs> right. I wish I brought one yeah I have I have a few left yeah. um, I did was it a short run yeah, I, th- I think he made another. He did. He made three hundred, and then he made he made another three hundred. I think. Gotcha. So yeah. Amazon has one left. So, yeah, yeah that's right. what they were. They. So I looked at it last night, and then this morning I get an email. They're like, "Hey, you looked at this. We've got one left. Do you want it?" And mm-hmm. I was just like, "Calm down, Amazon. Yeah. Relax, <laughs> relax." Oh, like, yeah, they're 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 relentless. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's so funny too with like the way our cell phones work and everything now, like listening to us all the time and then start catering advertising towards you it's like it's it's mm. creepy sometimes very yeah we did um me and a friend a couple years ago because we were talking about the phenomenon and whether or not that was a real thing or not yeah so we just decided we would start like for a week start weaving Val Kilmer into conversations <laughs> that like that had nothing to do with Val Kilmer just like name dropping him and the uh-huh. kind of stuff where it was like yeah, me, Mike, and Steve, and Val Kilmer went to the bar last night, and you know, and you know, got some weird looks. But then after a few days, it started getting like, mm-hmm. "Hey, Heat is out on Blu-ray." Stuff <laughs> yeah. like, that. like, okay, so it is a it is a thing. It's, it's so weird. It's real. It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're you have a new you have a new record coming mm-hmm. out, or is it out already? It's coming out. Yeah, so, it's coming out in in February next month. Auto. How do you say it? auto? A- autonomia. Auto. That, that's how I say it. Auto, yeah. It's autonomia it's, one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the beginning of uh, of a series yeah. of of music that's that's sort of in the uh, in that same style. Sure. You know, which yeah. is yeah. I wanted to like make do like. Because it's really different than my song writing right. project, and would, um, so I I thought for a while of, of just like calling it something different. Yeah. Um. But ultimately decided decided against it. Just thought, you know like even though it's it's different than my songs and more kind of more experimental. And sure. Like um, it's like I've still. I've still kind of done that kind of, it's still part of me. It's still what I, what I've, sure. That's what I started doing when I was younger before I even wrote songs. I've sort of in a way been doing it longer than, Mm -hmm. than anything else. Um, so it was like, I'll call, uh, still use my name, but, but, um, but thinking of a way to like separate it from the songs. That was, that's the idea behind the series. Cause I do imagine doing, doing more even this this year like doing um even if it's a small tape release or something like Mm -hmm. that or or even just put you know 
recording something, putting it up on Bandcamp or whatever, but right. just like just putting out more material in that sure. in that vein. Um, uh, so so yeah, it's just called Autonomy of One uh, Body Without Organs is the is the subtitle. Sub, subtitle. Yeah, yeah. So is, uh, is there no singing on it? Is it just playing? Yeah, no, no singing. It's just, um, it's just bass and, uh, um, you used a broken bow, right? Yeah. There's a really, uh, uh, this bow that I found, I mean, I'd kind of, I'd already been thinking about and wanting to kind of dive back into that, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of more, uh, uh, experimental. I'll probably keep saying that word, but I, I, like, what does that really mean? Sure. Just for lack of a better term right, right now. Um, but yeah, back into like experimental music um, <clears throat> for a little while and uh, kind of thinking like, oh, maybe I'll sort of incorporate some electronics or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, start fucking around with pedals or um, like... Yeah, just just trying to think of, of ways to get out outside of what is uh, what is possible just with the acoustic instrument. Right. And then so um, it's still primarily double bass, but with yeah. Well, well. So this is this is just sorry, sorry. Like the long version of leading up to how. What's up, Miles? Hi. Um, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Um. So. So, so that was sort of like the beginning of what I was thinking about it before actually putting any of that to practice. Yeah. And then I found um, this old old bow that I guess I used is probably my like student model bow that I mm-hmm. um, that I must have must have used back in the day when I was playing more aggressive, uh, weird weirdo noisy music um, yeah. because it was like. It was just mangled, like, and it, and, and it, um, all the hairs, like the bows made with horse hair, mm-hmm. most of them are, were all frayed off and, and kind of gnarled, tangled together. Um, and this, the, on the handle of the bow, the bow, like where you hold the, the bow, it's called, yeah. the, called the frog, um, at the, there's a little metal kind of heel that attaches to the ebony part of the handle okay. that you hold with your right right hand. That metal part was uh, dislodged. It was like disconnected. Yeah. So so it's kind of, but it's still um, it, it's still connected in that it's uh, uh, you know it's it's still around the, the hairs. Right. Sure. So it's just sort of floating freely on the on yeah. the hairs. And I was and I was like. I wonder if I could uh, in- incorporate this this somehow. And thinking about um, uh, you know inventive ways of playing like an acoustic instrument mm-hmm. um, and sort of making it almost sound electronic or ma- making it sound like not like the bass. Right. I was like, maybe I could use this to help me do that. Right. Um, so so that's what um, uh, that's what ended up. Um, being sort of uh, the yeah the the beginning of of putting these pieces together, and so what what most of the pieces are is I'm uh, preparing the bass, which just means like you know using an outside object to mm-hmm. put either to, to uh, you know cha- change the 
sonic possibilities of the of, of the bass right. in, in some way, whether it's putting something through strings, um, uh, attaching it somewhere, or something. So, so with the with preparing the bass with the um, additional bow um, and doing different things, but some of them like I'll I'll put through uh, a couple of the strings like up on the fingerboard yeah um and uh hold the the bow with my left hand and it'll, it'll sort of be balancing because of the tension of the strings sure so it's sort of and then using a, a bow like a prime another bow right. in my right hand yeah and so um that naturally just changes the the timbre yeah and the the tone, the the texture mm. of of uh, of the bass by by inserting this other right. other object, yeah, um, as opposed to just playing with my with my right. left hand, right. Um, so, yeah, there, there's things, and then there's things where you know I'm using that that bow, putting it through the strings. I guess people can't see my my hand <laughs> hand gestures unless they're listening hopefully really I'm articulating yeah <laughs> <laughs> like so yeah just envision the bass um so there's the um what's it called the bridge the yeah. thing that that <laughs> uh I guess we presuppose people know what a what a double bass or stand-up bass to some people's ears looks yeah, like at least yeah yeah yeah. So, like where the um, where the strings go up to the fingerboard, and there, there's like this wooden part that come comes out below yep. the fingerboard that is uh, you know, parallel to the ground. So I I put that that bow, the kind of broken mangled bow, through the strings there, and then it sort of balances, and if and then I don't even have to touch it, yep. and can and then can bow. And uh, with a regular bow, yeah, uh, and that just creates like a rattling sound. The metal thing is like is shaking around, mm-hmm. and um, and just creates a, a new like uh, textural yeah. layer. That yeah, and I just just sort of played with that and played with ideas with with uh, with that in my studio here, and then I had. Um, I had a uh, a residency at the, this this really great residency program in Lovell, Maine, called mm-hmm. uh, Hewn Oaks, and I'd, I'd always wanted to. Get, it's pretty new, I think, five or six years or something. But uh, I'd always wanted to do it, but you can't apply if you're in school, and I had been in school for the last few years. Um, so uh, I actually applied for writing and uh, got in, but then they, uh, you know, by the time I went this was last summer I uh I just um uh ended up doing all this all this music there I was there yeah. for 10 days and I sort of got got it all all uh got all the pieces mapped out yeah um definitely a huge like Im- improvisatory uh element to them but it's, yeah. it's not totally improvised it's, yeah. it's not like like there there's structures in in that I you know approach a piece with with a specific um, technique in mind that I'm exploring so it would it would be different from night tonight but it would be also uh, it's 
it's you know it's like okay I'm doing the piece that I do this kind of thing right or whatever right, like um, and that's sort of how each uh, and I I kind of conceived of it as like a a suite or something you know I, I, I conceived of the tracks like in order I didn't just record them and say like oh what would the right what would the order be so it was it was it was pretty map mapped out I mean I had that that ten day residency to to do that and it was it was uh it was productive um, nice uh, yeah so how did since you're using an, an acoustic bass how are you did you like do you do you have electric pickups do you or you mic it like a little combination of the two yeah so um so I do have I do have a pickup yep. that you know can can either go into an amp or go through the PA uh, at a for a for a for a show. Um, the way we recorded it, um, and I, I recorded it on Peaks Island with uh, Peter McLaughlin, who's the music programmer at Space and a yeah. really great uh, great drummer musician in his in his own right. And he's and he's a great engineer. He's got like a little. In a home studio uh, that he, it's in a like a finished basement like with with some windows too sort of like on the slanted hill kind of thing mm. uh, so he so it's like finished basement he's got a he's got a control room so he has all his computer you know all the all the gear yeah. set up there and then there's like a, a little cat door through the next room that yep. he puts all the wire all the um, nice. all the cables and stuff through and then the other room is the is the uh, performance room and so he set up we wanted to do like a ton of microphones um just because the uh stuff it it is so uh like texture it's it's so layered like yeah. the, the kinds of sounds that are popping out um and in, and i didn't want to do any overdub you know i want i want it to i kind of want it to sound like there are over like mm -hmm. like there is a lot going on um but the but the point is that it that there is like single unedited performances so we set up um just a, a bunch of microphones I think maybe seven or eight microphones mm -hmm. um, uh, that all had like different functions you know right. like some were just getting the room stuff like maybe far away mm -hmm. others were super close depending on where most of the my activity right. was was happening one was like behind the base uh, one was going through the, the pickup um and the the it was yeah the the one going through the pickup and the one behind the bass like if you listen to those like isolated yeah it just sounds totally fucking bizarre yeah um and but we used and that's the other thing too record the pieces we don't necessarily use all the mics sure sure but you blend we blended um uh blended you know mixed mixed right. stuff stuff from there and uh and and yeah, it was a really nice place to record that stuff. Was that your first time recording there? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, 
yeah and we just recorded another one actually oh but, nice um, so autonomy at two um, cool so we'll see very cool um, yeah yeah Peter's been uh, very generous and he's he's just a great uh, great person to work with yeah um, you've got um, <clears throat> you've got the I'm assuming it's a record release show at 3S in Portsmouth uh, in a couple weeks. It's it not at 3S. Um, it's not at 3S. It is at Space here in Portland. Oh. Yeah. I read that totally wrong. I'm glad that I checked because I was like, oh, cool. I get off work right, right at 8. I could swing right down. And I'm just like, you, that's... That, yeah, you got to come back to Portland. Right. I'll probably yeah. be playing at 9. Yeah. You'll miss the amazing openers, but... Yeah. No. So, so are you only... Are, are you doing primarily stuff from that record? Are you doing stuff... Yeah. 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 The idea is uh, I'm just going to play the the record in, in sequence. And the... Like, like I said before, it's... There, there's so much imp- improvisatory elements right. to it um, that... Uh, that you know it'll it'll change from night to night, but, sure, but the, sure. the kind of like textural uh, foundation or the te- the um, textural flow of yeah. the of the of the pieces will uh, maintain the the same quality as yeah. the, as the album. Right on. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's at space, so common three uh, S art space and. and well, that's the thing because I see, you know, being on social media, I see the updates from. 3S mm-hmm. art space all the time so mm-hmm. I think I just when I saw space mm-hmm. visually I'm just like oh yeah and mm-hmm. and stylistically mm-hmm. what you do makes total sense and you're from mm-hmm. the seacoast originally mm-hmm. anyway so I was like oh that makes sense that Nat's doing a record release here yeah. I do I, I yeah I do uh, I do want to do a show in, in either Kittery Portsmouth right area um, and uh, for the release show it made made sense to do here in Portland, um, you're living and, in Portland now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been here. Yeah, like we were saying, like yeah, four ish years yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, th- I I love I love space. I worked for space actually for a little bit. Okay. Um, Peter was on like a Peter who I recorded with is is the um, music curator, music programmer at space and. Cool. Um, he left for six months on like a sabbatical. He yeah. uh, did some tours, and, um, and so I was like the interim music uh, programmer for those those six months. That's pretty cool. Um, and I still still work some events there. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm not like on staff in the way that I. W- I mean, yeah, I'm I, I'm on the event staff now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, sort of do what's needed maybe just once or twice a week I'm mm-hmm. doing the door for a dance party tonight nice, um, nice. so um, yeah it's good it's a good sort of flexible extra job especially as I'm approaching a time that I'm going to be like touring a lot mm-hmm. um, it's the kind of thing where yeah we just we the event staff gets together like once a month and then everyone just kind of chooses uh shifts that they right. can do and everyone else is, has other jobs to yeah. do and stuff so it's you know um, but yeah space, space is space is is uh, great as far as supporting super like stylistically 
diverse, like yeah. and all all kinds of um, uh, artistic disciplines. Um, like I'm I'm writing, I'm helping do sound design for a play that's happening there next next month. And Very cool. um, yeah, they so they have all sorts of shit going on. Yeah, yeah, and I'm assuming they have programming pretty much like almost every day of the week. Not, I mean, they. It, they try not to be that like, like, like. Uh, act. I mean, it's 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 consistent, but yeah, it's not every day. Gotcha. It's not like that would be maybe a little bit overload for sure. the for the community, but it is um, it is consistent and like for music, there's probably five, six, seven, seven or eight on on a on a busy month mm. um, shows a, a month, so like. One, once to twice a week, or, I got you. or maybe yeah, and then there's yeah, there's uh, there's uh, vis- visual art shows all yeah. the, all the time. Yeah, and uh, for other performance stuff, there's you know, literature events, right. and yeah, dance yeah. events, and theater events. It's really cool. It's yeah, really cool. Yeah. So you said you're getting ready to go back out touring. Yeah. So with, with dirty projectors, I'm assuming. No, um, I am not playing in dirty projectors anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I had, that was one yeah. of the things I had seen. Like, there was various points where yeah, had, yeah, yeah. I had. I mean, I haven't like you know made a. I mean, I don't even know what that would be. I would tell my <laughs> Instagram followers right. that I'm not. I mean, whatever. It'll it, you know that that'll people will realize that when the band goes out on sure. tour again like, and oh, I'm not there. That's not there. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, you know, all, all your listeners will, but, sure. um, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, so the tours I have coming up are, are for this, this record. Okay. Actually. Yeah. So solo, solo tours playing this, uh, autonomy music and, uh, I, uh, going down south for 10 days at the end of February into March um, how far are you going down? Atlanta okay yep and uh, ending in New York um, uh, and then end of March uh, through kind of halfway through April so about two and a half weeks I'm going out to the Midwest and doing a festival there called Mission Creek in, or a festival in, in Iowa City called Mission Creek that I sort of built the tour around. Oh, cool. it's, it's a great festival. Um, I've been to, it a, been to it a couple of times and made, made a bunch of friends out there. Um, and uh, so that sort of helped anchor the tour. That's yeah. as far as I'm going. Playing to, the label that's putting out Autonomia um, is based in Chicago. Okay. So I'm playing two shows in Chicago, which will which will be cool. Um, yeah, and I haven't you done, played Chicago before. I'm assuming I have. Yeah, yeah, and I haven't done, uh, but I, but not for a while. Um, so I haven't done a solo tour since 2014. It was okay. when like my album In the Hollows came out right. and. Um, and so, yeah, obviously this will be much different uh, and, uh, 
hopefully people won't be confused or, or you know I'm trying to like trying to make it clear that uh, what this is is a lot it's of different a stuff. project yeah um, but, but I would feel that like I mean obviously experimental is a subjective and relative term but I feel right. like if people are have followed your musical career at this point I mean you've been involved in some yeah. experimental stuff already so it's yeah. you know right. I feel like if someone's like going to check out Nat Baldwin playing live familiar with you already they're kind of on board for whatever yeah one would hope at least that's I, I hope so yeah 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 because this I mean the the new the new stuff is it's it's pretty harsh. I mean, it, I kind of just call it noise music, right. which also is kind of a ambiguous and and maybe reductive term right. too. But it's it's sort of like noise music for an acoustic instrument, right. and and that is, um, but not in a. Uh, yeah, it's it's still structure. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's I, I like sort of like. Uh, uh, you know, walking that line between structure and, and chaos. Right. And like, you know, right. So, um, uh, so yeah, it's not, I, I think sometimes when people hear the, hear music described as noise, it, right. it's just sort of like, oh, it's just arbitrary. Like, oh, I'm just, you think it's you know, kicking a sampler down a flight of stairs. Or yeah. Something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's, but there's thought and actual work going into it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then that's not. To, I mean, you know, there's. Uh, yeah, I, I I like all all different kinds of noise music too, yeah. and I think yeah. there's something that um, can be uh, interesting about um, about pushing. Uh, people's ideas of what that what it what that definition of that is too. yeah so yeah so even yeah kicking something down the stairs maybe that could be interesting too sure yeah. Yeah. sure yeah. So sure <laughs> and it's subject you know it's maybe it hits you at the right time that's what you that's what you needed you just oh, needed, absolutely. You just needed to hear that i don't know <laughs> it's fine i was uh you know i i'm part of a, a few like closed facebook groups that are associated with like particular musical acts and mm-hmm. somebody posted something this this morning uh they're like what are you know t- 10 albums that had a big influence on your musical like development early on and um and it was it, it, it the, the mute the closed group is for the band converge i'm mm-hmm. not sure if you, yeah so mm-hmm. the, you know a, aggressive kind of yeah punky metally band but so everyone was started listing all the i wasn't too surprised by the list but i just i was just like ah sure i'll play along and i'm a bit mm-hmm. older than i think a lot of people may be in the group so mm-hmm. i put stuff but i had like tom waits and Sinead o'connor and people like what are you doing in this group if you yeah if you're into that and i'm just like i listen to a lot of different stuff yeah you know, you know it's uh and it's funny too because i know a couple of the guys in converge and i'm just like they list they don't just sit at home and listen to you know just screaming and you know right. dissonant guitars all the time it's a lot of stuff informs that so yeah yeah for yeah. sure yeah it's uh it's it's important to be open and sure and, you know um yeah my my 
my my taste is is just all over the place, yeah. you know. I yeah. Guess. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's weird when it's it's almost kind of like authoritarian. Yeah, people are just like, well, oh, you, like when when you're super rigid about that. It's yeah. Just like, uh, well, I mean, music. Sinead O'Connor's fucking awesome. Man. Yeah, she's. <laughs> I mean, one of the one of the greatest singing voices I've ever heard, and you know, and incredible. I mean, I was that was the first, obviously, the first thing that struck me about her. But then, like as I got older and like learned about you know her politics and everything like that, I was just like, oh, this is like this is like a true artist in the yeah. truest sense of the word. So mm-hmm. it, I mean, it was. I was just having a conversation with some some people at work the other day about it who are you know in their mid to late twenties and they're like, "That's a bald lady who sings the Prince song." I'm like, "You're correct, but that's not that's not it. Uh, that's not the only thing about her." And you know, but uh, you know, her ripping up the picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live effectively mm-hmm. ended her career mm-hmm. in this country, or at least ended most people's conversations about her and then mm. I so I was just like well here's why she did it and you know mm. I was like I didn't know that at the time and I was like you know it's interesting because I think instead of in 1991 if it was you know 2020 when the same thing happened she would probably be heralded as you know like a, a champion of you know certainly yeah. feminist rights but and, yeah. you know so I'm just like it's just interesting but we've put her in this you know, and everything's contextual to the time that it happened too. So right. you know, different things. But I was just like, yeah, no, this is why she did it, and whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. that changed the aftermath of that, where Frank Sinatra made some real bonehead, you know, surprise, surprise comments about it. That changed my. Oh opinion. really? Well, he's like, yeah. If I ever get in a room with her, I'm going to kick her ass for doing that. And I'm like, oh, I was like, oh, sweet, domestic, no. domestic violence comments. But, yeah. So, you know, and, uh, but, you know, and people have such a, and this could get into the whole conversation about separating the artist from the art, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, ah, yeah, I mean, it's up to every individual person. I was like, but yeah, when you're talking about like physical violence on someone else, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's ugly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that, that would be, you know, treated much differently now much than differently media now too, too, in the yeah. same way that like that you articulated about about Sinead's action too yeah because I think at the time it was oh she's some punk not respecting her elders and him saying that is not necessarily a misogynistic thing although certainly is you know certainly was but you know we didn't we didn't have those conversations 20 you know 20 30 years ago right but they're just more on the margins yeah yeah um so they're so you're you're not playing with dirty projectors anymore, but um, they have a a live. Yeah, live I, w- I was on, Are you that. on that. Record? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, we did that during a tour. Yeah, it was last year or something. We had a day off on tour, and so they had us go to that studio. Yeah, I didn't even. I, I guess it's like a. a uh, it's it's a, it's a big studio in right. in New York. A lot of stuff has been recorded there but I, yeah. I hadn't hadn't heard about it but uh, I can't remember what it's called now but um, I, it, I, it's funny because I saw it at Bull Moose this week yeah I, I had no idea I was like oh but I didn't also like because the cover there wasn't a whole lot of information about it so I didn't yeah. know the context <laughs> so I looked it up and I was like oh okay it's like a 
yeah. like an archival record. I mean, recent archival recording. Yeah, it's I guess is all recordings. It's cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool because uh, that's like that uh, captures that particular um, iteration of the band, which sure. is which. Uh, Oh wow! Yeah, I guess so. That was my la- that'll be my last recording. Of <laughs> right. um, but yeah, that and it's the, it'll it's the first one with um, the three new members, who are uh, Kristen Slip and Maya Friedman and Felicia Douglas, um, and uh, they all make their own uh, their own solo music, and mm-hmm. they're all amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, Kristen's got a band called uh, Meadows with her with her uh, her husband Cole, and a band called Cuddle Magic that's actually been through played at Bowie a few times. Okay. Um, Felicia's got a solo project called Gemma, and another band called Ava Luna, which is really good. And Maya has this band called Uniikai, uh, Uniikai. Hmm. I think I'm saying that correctly. Getting that somewhere in the right vicinity. Um, and uh, yeah, her stuff's really great too. Um, so hopefully they'll have some new music coming out yeah. too. And um, yeah, so that version of the band and Mike Johnson is playing drums. He's played drums for a while for yeah. Jerry Projectors. Uh, and they have, yeah, they, I guess, yeah. Uh, they have other music coming out this, sure, this year. Sure. Yeah. So there's. A, I want to break the news too. Right. The, the, the manager will can go and be all over. Right. Over, you know. Right. They'll, um, be, they'll be shutting down your uh, podcast. Your podcast um, breaking the news. Breaking breaking news coming I, out on March. Uh, whoops. Well, I had this weird thing because I've been doing this. Is this is this will actually be the first episode of season five of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, All right. but it's technically like the fourth year into it. Cause I did it kind of the tail end of one year, but um, last year I had a, the middle, like in the summer last year, I had this weird thing where I talked to a guy in a band that, um, you know, I wasn't looking for any sort of scoop. We were just very similar to this. We were just having a conversation, but he ended up, um, giving some information about his band's upcoming album, which had never been discussed publicly. And mm-hmm. I mean, I just sort of assumed from the conversation, but I was I didn't like hype it up or anything. And then within 48 hours, the podcast coming out, he starts texting me and he's like, so the, so, so the media has picked up on this. Um, <laughs> and it's, a, it's a heavy metal band, this band called old man gloom. And it's kind of like a super uh-huh. group. And uh-huh. so right. I had this weird thing where like, like metal injection and stuff started retweeting stuff about my podcast. I was like, well, that's, that's very bizarre, but okay. <laughs> but I was kind of proud of the fact that like, I had just been doing it the same way I've been doing it for forever. wasn't like looking for a scoop or anything, but they're like breaking right. news. But and I was like, it's so weird because it was just two guys in a room talking about music. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, so it's yeah. just like, Oh, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, yeah. um, so there, so it sounds like Dirty Projector's kind of in your rearview mirror at this point. There, yeah. But there were, and and there's a solid body of work there, so I don't, I'm not going to like go back and rehash it, but there, there were two projects in particular that I was like, I've been meaning to ask Nat about this anyways for my own curiosity, just yeah. because. So the first one being The Rise Above 
mm. project. Yeah. Um, like how did, um, I mean, so how would you summarize what that is and like, how did that, like, you know, how did that come about? Um, apparently I have the black flag logo tattooed on the back of my head. By awesome. the way, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was like, admittedly sort of came late to that, sure. <laughs> to that kind of music. Yeah. And, um, didn't you know my 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 punk like uh punk phase was like ornette coleman and cecil taylor right so right. it's like a different kind of 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 punk um which i think is great because it, it forms it in a, a totally yeah. different way yeah, yeah yeah um and uh so but yeah so apparently dave uh that was like damage that was his favorite album as a kid he his something happened his parents were moving out of a their house or something and he found a tape and he the tape um tape wasn't in it you know found it found a case or whatever right. the tape wasn't there so he got this idea to rewrite the album from memory um but with his own music mm. um so so that's uh that's what he did and uh and that's it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. did you guys ever uh, hear any any feedback from any of the uh, the members of black flag well we we played with greg uh Ginn. greg Ginn in austin okay um and he was really cool nice. and he we, we actually did it the opening set was was uh uh it's just I think it was just billed as Greg Ginn, but he wanted us to just improvise with him. So we basically did this kind of like psych psych rock like yeah. improv like thing. Right on. Uh, me and Brian, the drummer at the time, uh, Brian McCumber, who's friends with the Converge folks actually. Yeah. Um, or I think wait maybe I'm getting that. Well anyway, I know he's a fan. Um, yeah, Brian and um, and Dave played. So yeah, we just had this like Greg Ginn quartet. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, which is very fun, and um, he was he was really cool. Um, I think he was like wearing a Grateful Dead shirt, and, like and like smoking like, a lot of weed. Yeah, that 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 tracks with <laughs> yeah his, his sort of creative art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, this is that is powerful music. I ha- I hadn't even. I hadn't. I mean, it feels fucking. It feels silly now, but whatever. Like that's just how I. Yeah, I had. I hadn't heard Black Flag before. Then. Well, no. I mean, it's so, we all. It's so funny because you know I'm someone who kind of consumes a lot of music, and there's mm-hmm. still like the more music I discover, the more I realize there's like huge pockets that I just have like knowledge. Get and you're never going to be able to hear it all. And even if you hear it, as yeah. far as like. Absorbing into your skin and your psyche, there's only so much, and it could be, you know, what you had for breakfast that day. You're yeah. a little irritated or whatnot. You're not necessarily open to yep. get stuff from it. So it's, you know, everything comes in in different waves. So yep. yeah, 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 and you know, it's there's there's no even if you feel like you're coming in something like late in the game. It's mm. not. It's like yeah, like you Who said. There, there's yeah, whatever. There's so much cultural production to consume and right. you know we can't can't be on top of everything and um and uh and 
yeah, you can't, you can't, can't predict what what is going to like catch you at what time. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's always been a weird thing. Even when I was a kid, I remember like people having the whole. I mean, particularly in the punk rock community, but it was I was into them way back when, and I'm like, mm-hmm. what's this? I listened to them first mental. Like, what does that have to do with anything? Like. Mm-hmm. I'm just like I could argue. Oh, cool! I listen to them best. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just as arbitrary. It's just like right. whatever. It's every. I don't know. It's right. such a weird thing. But I think also as you get older, like you appreciate what you appreciate and worry less about what other people think of about what you appreciate. You yeah, because there's not enough time in the data. Yeah, give a shit about what everyone thinks about what you like. Right, and like, who decides like what? what order you're supposed to listen to things right. in or something like right. that's just all dictated by yeah. outside force you know it's just like you know you can have a punk phase when you're 40 right that's fine for sure whatever for sure yeah um or uh you know go back to making a weird noise album when you're 40 <laughs> right 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 exactly. the album actually is coming out on my 40th birthday oh that's awesome yeah that's awesome which uh, which we decided i thought like maybe that is kind of um kind of silly or kind of <laughs> cheesy or something prophetic whatever um and but i was like but the person who's putting it out matt melan in chicago his label's called shinkoyo slash artist pool it's mm. like this uh, um, collective thing um, uh, his birthday is the same day nice so I was like we have to do this right Right. it's a Friday you know they have to they put out albums on Fridays I guess yeah so I looked at the Fridays in February and I was like I, it's your birthday too we got it. Right. we just gotta do it is it February 7th? Is that when it comes out? 21st. 21st, okay. Yeah, right. so I'm doing, so the space show is is like a little a bit, in, little bit in anticipation, yeah. Gotcha. But we will have physical copies by sure. and stuff. So. Is it uh, coming out on vinyl, CD? How are you putting it out? Uh, vinyl and tape. Cool. Yep, so it's relatively small run of, of both. I think we did like 300 vinyl and 100 tapes. Right on. So that should do it, probably. Tapes are <laughs> that should tapes do the trick. Making a weird comeback, or I guess not yeah. so weird. I mean, it, I feel like an old person saying yeah. that now because I, you know, every once in a while I'll have someone who's ten to twenty years older than me. Yeah. When vinyl comes up, they're like, you know, vinyl's making a comeback. I'm like, it never went anywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, I remember. Right. You know when. Uh, when I joined the Columbia House Records and Tape Club way back when, when I was in junior high school, where you can, you know, mm-hmm. for a buck, you can get like 20 CDs or whatever. But they were doing a vinyl clearance thing because it was like, okay, it's 1991. Nobody wants these anymore. Mm-hmm. Buy any CD for full price. You can get as many records as you want for a dollar a piece. And my parents had a turntable. Mm-hmm. So I got like, you know, Appetite for Destruction and <laughs> Skeletons from the Closet, The Best of the Grateful Dead, and some other stuff. But. <laughs> It was funny because I had never heard the Grateful Dead at that point, but I had mm-hmm. seen their shirts on people in school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's all the skulls and roses. So I just assumed the Grateful Dead was a heavy metal band. <laughs> and I put, you know, I put that on and track one side one is Uncle John's band. And I'm like, yeah. 
what the hell is this shit? <laughs> I was like, this is like folksy, like grandpa, which is funny because like, yeah. I really appreciate the Grateful Dead now, but yeah, you know, yeah. me, 15-year-old me was Wasn't like the right ready to rage when the parents weren't home and I yeah. was like, there's banjos on this. What is this? So, but yeah, I yeah. remember, like I, that is one thing that I'll tell people every once in a while. I'm like, I was listening to vinyl not before it was cool, but in that weird middle period when right. when it wasn't cool at all. Right, but, right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's exciting that, that tapes are, are, yeah. are uh, making a little, a little comeback. Um, and, uh, yeah, I have some friends here that just, that have, like, tape labels, you know. Yeah. And it's a huge thing in the sort of, like, noise community. Yeah, oh, yeah, too, for sure. That's, it, it's probably always has been, I don't, I don't know, but it's maybe more so now same yeah. same with vinyl it's like didn't go away but like now yeah now more bands well not now but even a few years ago whenever whenever it, like yeah that's become sort of like the dominant right. kind of like material object for it's kind of weird now when someone who's not on a major label puts out an album and there's a cd release as well because it's mm. it's pretty much given if there's a physical release now that vinyl is going to be one of the things mm. but yeah cassettes I see more and more on yeah. merch tables and stuff but mm-hmm. I was like oh you guys actually have a, a CD cool because mm. mm. that was kind of like I know I'm definitely in the minority and definitely in the like cool minority as far as like that's still my preferred format cause, CD yeah because wow. that's, that's what yeah that's what I the bulk of my collection was and also mm, right, right. I do most of my music listening in my car and as much and as I'd, what, yeah. I'd love to have a turntable in the car you know <laughs> it's just not practical yeah so I, I actually have a tape uh, I only have a tape player in my yeah. car so yeah. that's sort of yeah like now I'll at shows, I'll, I'll get, yeah. get tapes. Yeah. Well, I it's funny because having said that, the car that I have, I've had for about a month now. It's new to me, but it's you know 15 yeah. years old, and yeah. the CD player is broken. So there's an yeah. aux cable, and but it's I have an iPhone. So if you're using the aux cable, mm-hmm. it drains the battery. You can't charge it at mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. So I have a little cassette Walkman that I plug in because nice. I have tapes from friends from the last yeah. friends band from the last couple of years I'm like yeah. well now I have a place to listen to these because I don't have a tape yeah. player in my house right. So, right. Yeah, yeah, so it's all full circle but yeah tapes was I got into tapes first and then I was yeah. you know decided to jump to CDs in like 93 yeah. something yeah, like yeah. that and then, yeah. you know yeah, vinyl it has to be particularly a new vinyl record it has to be something that I'm just like alright this is either like friends yeah, or you know, a, a record. You know, in the rare case, a record that I performed on. Like I was on Dan Blakesley's last record. I sang oh, yeah. him one song, so I was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll have that on vinyl, sure. stuff like that." Yeah. Or old, old classics that you find in the used bin. I'm just yeah. like, "Yeah, I'd like to have you know this Marvin Gaye on, on right. vinyl. Why not? For yeah, six bucks worth it." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, same. I, I it's uh, I, when I first started getting vinyl, I got like. My vinyl collection now consists of probably like ninety percent of it I got in the first year or two. Right, you know, I just right. got a bunch of stuff right. at once. Um, and, uh, and yeah, same. You know, from like supporting friends mm-hmm. or, uh, or yeah. uh, um, the one thing I'll do. Like, I still, you know, will if there's like a obscure you know, jazz record or something mm-hmm. like that, then I'll be like, oh, all right. Right, maybe that's worth it. To, sure, um, and I, n- I never really regret that stuff. I have a bunch of stuff though that I get like, I don't know, just 
new like I don't know do I need my animal collective record like right. I'm, I'd never never put that on, right. on. Right. I'm not like I have to have this animal collective vinyl uh, while I'm making dinner or something right. like that's right. just not happening so there, there's a there's a lot of stuff in the collection like that where I'm just like maybe I don't really need but, sure um, I did it I or in 2019 I did a purge of a lot of stuff because I collections of a lot of stuff you know yeah plastic discs and you know plastic representations of superheroes and space people I've got a <laughs> quite a ridiculous Star Wars figure collection and I'm just like alright I need to start pairing back some of this stuff and it was like on vinyl like sometimes it was like multiple variations like different colors and stuff I'm like alright I have this to listen to not as a I don't need it as just a physical object so one copy of one album that was my limit so I was like choose which one and then pass it on to friends or you know trade it into a secondhand store or whatever just just for the simple fact that vinyl's such a bitch to move yeah you know it's so heavy mm-hmm. yeah we um when my mom got remarried uh like eight nine years ago we had just opened a record store out in arizona and three or four people had given us their like family collections of vinyl to mm-hmm. like you know sell mm-hmm. and we had a rental car we drove here and mm-hmm. drove back with about 400 records in the back of the car Mm -hmm. and even though I took a more direct route back I spent almost $500 more in gas on the way back Mm -hmm. just because it weighed in weighing you down I figured I did the math like a year later and I'm like I basically broke even like by the time I'll because it wasn't Mm -hmm. anything super rare or anything there were records that I basically sold for a buck or two over Mm -hmm. the course of a year or so at the record store so I was just like yeah it was very nice people to do that, but if I had thought about it logistically, I should just been like, "Thanks, I'll just leave it here for right, now." Right. But, yeah. Um, so the other record that I wanted to ask about was um, you guys did an EP with Bjork. Yeah. How'd that come about? Um, how did that happen? Uh, sorry, got to uh, <laughs> jump back. One. Jump. Yeah, jump back in the memory. There was something like. Oh, I think I think Dave might have done like a Bjork song for a compilation or something. Um, and well, yeah, I, I don't I don't exactly know. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> but but however it happened, it uh, we the the idea was that like Dave was going to write the music and it would be sort of like uh, they would be trading off. Um, vocal leads mm-hmm. um and we just did one performance it was at uh housing housing works bookstore in new york um uh that raises money for like aids mm-hmm. aids related uh work um yeah i think we just did that one concert yep and uh you know, it's small. It's a small. It's a, well, it's a big bookstore, but it's small for a place to see a show, sure. especially to see Bjork. Right. Uh, so it fit about three hundred people. Um, and uh, did it, we did the performance mostly acoustically, um, and it came came together. It was like pretty pretty hard. Like we 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 had to get it together 
pretty quickly mm. and like with with juggling people's schedules and it, it was uh it felt a little rushed and we were I remember the night before we that performance we were having a practice uh without without Bjork like we we had already had our last practice with mm. Bjork and um and she we uh we were like fuck we're not ready we're mm. not ready for this show and we were like barely getting through the songs and uh so we called like i guess and Dave was living in Greenpoint uh in Brooklyn and he asked like a local record store if we could come come play there yeah. so it sort of gave this so so we did this uh, kind of impromptu set just called a few friends and said we're gonna just as like a practice like mm-hmm. let's do this in front of people like we can't even do it in our living room right now right, but like right. let's uh, uh up the stakes a, a little bit and that actually helped but even even with that it was basically like a public um uh rehearsal because mm-hmm. we were fucking up and stopping the song starting mm-hmm. over and stuff but um I guess it was a good strategy because because at the show it was we we played great at the show nice. and got through everything. Our my friend Kurt Wiseman came down and opened opened the show with a really great set and um, and then we recorded it at this place, the Rare Book Room, and yeah, Bjork is like super nice. I. I the first for her because we just rehearsed at, at uh, Dave's apartment and uh, she was like I saw her like walking down the street I was like waiting I was a little bit early and uh, just sitting on the stoop waiting to go up and uh, I saw her walking by and I was like I know it, it became clear that she was going to continue walking by like, like she seemed sort of just kind of like looking around and, and uh, where she was going. Yeah, just like yeah. as you as you could imagine, like seeing <laughs> Bjork walking down the street. Mm-hmm. It's, ex- it's exactly how she was, <laughs> and so I called out to her, <laughs> and it, it almost felt weird to like say her name say out her loud. Say her name out loud, sure. Um, is, uh, and I was like Bjork, Bjork, and she didn't. Uh, she didn't react and so I'm like well, I'm yelling sure she gets that all day long right you know? so yeah. then I felt uncomfortable but I was like well she's probably lot like looking for the apartment or something and so I yelled louder I was like Bjork Bjork and then she looks up and she takes headphones out uh, and I didn't which I didn't see right. and uh and I was like oh hi I'm uh Nat I play bass and the band and we're this is where the apartment is and and she's like, oh, I know. I'm just uh, walking around the neighborhood doing some uh, vocal warm-ups. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. It's <laughs> trying uh, to be helpful, but I'm fucking up your routine. Yep, whoops. Uh, all right, continue. Um, but, yeah, that was it was pretty cool to just be like, <laughs> rehearsing with Bjork sure, in, in sure. an apartment. And then... Um, and, uh, you know, seeing somebody at that level sort of like taking direction and sort of being being a part of the ensemble and being mm-hmm. like you know like oh what do you what do you all think of like if I sing it this way or if I sing it this way or mm-hmm. um uh, and it's just interesting you know seeing somebody at that level be just 
just like another musician, right? Yeah, you know, another part of it. And the, she's fucking up, too. Right, she's like right. Forgetting the words or like, you know, singing, you know, singing an un- with melodies that you don't sing all the time. You're not sure. always like nailing it. Right. Um, and right. so it was uh, pretty cool to, um, to sort of see that, that yeah. process. And, sure. then, and then when we were recording, it was like amazing to watch her um, in the studio. Yeah. Because we recorded it all live instrumentally and then the the lead vocals were were done overdubbed uh, um overdubbed gotcha um yeah so that was uh yeah that was a highlight of that period for sure, sure. right on right on yeah well the other i am um, i would be amiss if i didn't mention it because it was such a surreal thing a couple of years ago and i think i may have even commented on your facebook page or something so i was mm. I was watching a uh, trailer, you know, saw, <laughs> saw a trailer for, you know, uh, Noah uh, Bombach yeah. film. And I was like, and, you know, with, with the gr- great Greta Gerwig in it, who I was a fan of already. And I'm watching the yeah. trailer and I'm like, hey, that guy with her looks like Nat. And I was like, yeah. hey, that guy that she just made out with in the trailer looks <laughs> like, I think that is Nat. And then yeah. I, so, um, yeah. which both her and Noah are now academy award nominees which is nuts yeah. how, did, how did that come about that you were in mistress america that was um that was also through i, I guess the they they wanted like they wanted a band for that scene right like it was sort of in the montage of bringing lola around mm-hmm. showing her around and Initially, they thought that, like, so we learned it. We we played that song uh, right down the line, the Jerry Rafferty song. Mm-hmm. So we were supposed to be, like, a cover band. Sure. We weren't supposed to, we weren't, like, playing Dirty Projector. Right. We were, like, supposed to just be this random band. I, I mean, I don't know how that came. I, I think Noah was just a fan. Sure. And reached out to the yeah. management or something. And uh, so we, we learned right down the line. We played it probably over 100 times throughout the day. Re- recording that scene that became the quick kind of flashes of the montage mm-hmm. the song ended up not being in it they used some other song that sort of like over that that played over the the uh the montage the edit the montage yeah. uh instead of using using the song so um but uh and then we just took a couple other days to do some of those other scenes mm-hmm. and it's just it's hilarious that because we're we're such a minor minor uh, role as far as like the amount of screen tra- time throughout the movie right. we're in it for about a minute and a half right. but um, maybe about 45 seconds of that is like the trailer like there's right. so much yeah, yeah. Of it there's so much of it in the trailer, in the trailer. Um, and uh, and yeah the way that, that that scene came about too is I think I think Dave the band leader um, I think the way it was written, the way Noah wrote it, um, or did they did they co-write that, Greta? They the, did, yeah. I think that was their first like collaboration. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was supposed to be with the band leader, right? Um, and he he didn't want to do it, so he was like, "Do you want to do it?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, sure why not?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that was that was pretty fun. I was I was very. Uh, very nervous. <laughs> very, very it's a, well. I mean, it very, doesn't come off. It's very, you know. Yeah. Well, that was the great. It was like 
because when we when we recorded it or when it was when it was filmed, we were in this cramped apartment in Manhattan, and they got like I think one of the co-stars like went to Bard or something, so she got all her like Bard friends. So there are all these like uh, like hot fucking Bard kids just just like in this tiny ass space yeah. with lights everywhere and it's like hot and claustrophobic mm-hmm. and they're like this is a party scene you know and it's like 10 in the morning or something and um, and Greta and I, I told Greta I was like um, I'm pretty because I, I don't have an acting but and I didn't have to do any lines or anything sure. but I don't I'm not like comfortable on script or, or you know right right I, I mean i don't know if you've never done that before like who would be just sure with noah bomack behind the camera sitting next to greta gerwig and and i was like yeah i'm really fucking <laughs> nervous and she's like it's cool i'm i'm really good at fake making out and i was like yeah i mean i'm sure you, i'm sure you are and, right um and yeah uh, we did Maybe like 20, 20 ish takes. Yep. And then and the last one, no, no, it was like, all right, that's enough. No, I'm not. <laughs> right. But it was, uh, yeah, it was a very, very funny experience. Um, do you have any aspirations to do any more acting? Oh, I mean, if they, if they, I just haven't got any calls. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm not, not seeking it out. Sure. But, but you're open to, you know, creative possibilities, which I mean, definitely. I, I think that's pretty pretty clear with you in general with creative endeavors. Yeah. So, yeah. Open open to things. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> Say the name of your upcoming record one more time, the uh, full title. Autonomia One, Body Without Organs. All right. February 21st comes out. Yep, on Shinkoyo oh. slash Artist Pool. And it's February 6th that the show is? Yep, February 6th at Space, at, uh, space or Space Gallery um, on Congress Street in Portland. Portland, Maine. Yep, right with uh, Lauren Toswell and some special guests. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time, man. Yeah, thanks. That. Yeah, 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 that was, was fun. <laughs> really fun. Nice. Thanks, right thanks for having me. Absolutely. <laughs>